Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 291. This week on Cars Yeah, we're celebrating the Forest Grove Concours de Elegance and talking with sponsors of this spectacular event that takes place on July 19th on the Pacific University campus east of Portland. You can learn more about this event at www.forestgrove.org. I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Paul Morissette. Paul, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I've had my pre-race meal, Mark, and I am, uh, I've got some nice high-octane fuel. I'm ready to roll. <laughs> Great. I love it when my guests show up ready and energized. Paul Morissette is the president of Chubb Insurance Solutions Agency, the division of Chubb Corporate that works with many of America's most important car collectors on their insurance needs. Chubb is a proud sponsor of the Pebble Beach Concorde Elegance the Amelia Island Concorde Elegance, the California Miele, and the Forest Grove Concorde Elegance, and other prominent shows and rallies across the country. Paul has been with Chubb for 26 years and held various leadership positions in the United States and Canada. He's a member of the Classic Car Club of America, the MG Car Club of England, and various car categories. He lives in New Jersey with his wife and children, and he's got two MGs in his garage that I'm sure we're going to hear a little bit about. So, Paul, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little bit more about your career, your interests, and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Sure thing, Mark, and thank you so much for having me. I'm a big fan of your show. I listen to your podcast all the time, and it's really a privilege to be here in a list of some of the most influential people in the hobby. Well, thank you. The honor's all mine. And I got to say up front that um, I feel a little bit out of place because uh, the, the term car guy has never been one that really applied to me until just the last few years. I kind of just grew up as a regular suburban kid in Morris County, New Jersey, just about 40 miles west of New York City. And I'm a little bit different than a lot of the people that are on your show And that while I always thought cars are cool and I like them, I was had a lot of other interests growing up and wouldn't ever say I obsessed about cars. It wasn't until I came to work for Chubb, where the collector car business is a pretty important part of what we do, that I kind of got bitten by the bug. Well, welcome to the clan. <laughs> welcome to the clan. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's been, uh, it's been great. And as, as you know, there's just so many great people in this hobby. And uh, that's, it's just been amazing getting to know both people in the MG world with the acquisitions I've made, as well as people at Concours and other prominent car collectors through my business. That uh, It's just been a great, great ride over the last five, six years getting to know everybody. Absolutely. Well, this is really interesting because, yeah, you are a little different than many of my guests. A lot go back to their childhood in the garage with their dad and so forth. But I'm glad you're part of the group now. And let me ask you this before we get into some of the questions. What was that one thing that got you into cars? I know being around it, you know, was there something that just uh, pulled on your your driving glove, if you will, and said, you got to get involved in this? Yeah, I think a little bit of everything where I mean, I, I always liked tinkering with things. And ever since having my 
first ride, uh, I wanted to be the one to do things like oil changes and basic repairs. But then uh, when I got into the collector car insurance side and you realize that to be able to handle people who have very large collections, you need to be able to talk the talk with them. Yep. And uh, that really forced me to really get to know cars both mechanically, what it takes to restore them correctly, uh, and really learn about the history of certain marks uh, in order to be able to just have any kind of credibility. And I've always been the kind of person that has to be very forthcoming and truthful, as I think we all aspire to be. And I certainly couldn't be a poser. I, I had to really jump all in if I was going to represent myself as an insurance expert. Sure. Well, I'll tell you, you know, Chubb is a major powerhouse. I mean, the prestige of the company, and that's why I was so excited to have you on and to have Chubb be involved in all these different events. You know, I've had uh, the the people who run these Concours events on my show, the three that we mentioned in particular, and uh, it's great to have Chubb be part of this. I have a cousin, I'll tell you, down in uh, Carmel who sells insurance. And when I told him you're going to be on the show, he goes, Chubb, they're the best. So uh, you guys are doing an awesome job. Thank you. You're welcome. As we continue on your journey, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote, something that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success, your career. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Paul, take the wheel. I'm going to uh, refer to a quote by the great poet, actress, writer, Maya Angelou, Mm. who said, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. How have you incorporated that quote into your business and your life? Well, this is a real primary reason why working at Chubb has been such a good fit for me, because that quote really embodies the culture here at Chubb, both in how we treat our employees and how we treat our customers. Um, We give our employees a lot of flexibility to do the right thing and have the time it takes to make sure that the customer is getting what they want. Whether you're a claims adjuster who's handling an accident involving someone's Corvette or a, a house that's burned down or you're Um, a person who is quoting up a policy when a customer is first coming in the door. Uh, We just, we give people that flexibility. We know they, they have to be empowered to do the right thing for that customer and not be constrained by a bureaucratic environment. So uh, that's my style in leadership is to let my folks uh, be empowered to do the right thing. And so it's just, it's been a great fit for me to be at Chubb for that reason. Well, buying insurance is one of those necessary evils for all of us. It's kind of like car repair in some sense. You feel like you're right back where you were. But, you know, for us with cars that we love or passionate about, knowing that they're protected in a sense, and especially given the car values these days, the way things are going absolutely crazy on some automobiles, having that confidence that if you take your car out and enjoy it, you don't have to worry about if, you know, heaven forbid something bad happens to it, that you've got somebody behind you. So I love that fact that that your folks are empowered to help the customer and you don't feel like you have to work through layers of bureaucracy to say, but wait a minute, I've been paying my insurance for 20 years. Somebody hit my car, I need help, you know? Um, It's so important. Exactly. And we believe so strongly that we want people to drive their cars and our entire program is structured to allow for that flexibility. 
And uh, we want everyone, regardless of whether they own a $30 million Ferrari or a $10,000 MGB, to know that if something happens, they're going to get that car repaired with the right parts by the right restoration shop, and they're going to be back on the road as quickly as possible and uh, with a car in the original condition that it should be. Well, let me ask you this. Is there a story you can share with me that instigated your passion for cars? You kind of came into this a little bit later than life, but is there a pivotal moment you can share when you really went, you know what, I am a car guy? Um, yeah, I mean, it all, the journey kind of started, I guess, I mean, like I said, I wasn't totally obsessive about cars, but uh, when I first got my license, I grew up in, in a, graduated from high school in 1985, so pretty solid 80s guy. The first car I got was something which I thought at the time was pretty cool, um, but realized the first time I drive it to, drove it to school that that wasn't the case. It was a 1980 baby blue Firebird. Okay. <laughs> and I, I took a lot of abuse in that, not just because of the color uh, being a little bit more feminine, but it had an AM radio, automatic transmission. It was a, just a very base model that yeah. my mom had as her fun car that she handed down to me sure. to use. Even though it was a little quirky and I, I was probably a, a, the geek of the school having something like that, to me it was still a Firebird and it had some cachet even though it could only play AM radio. <laughs> and so you know, that kind of started me of certainly being interested in paying attention to sports cars and being aware of what was happening in a marketplace. But it was really when uh, I got into a job about six years ago, as I said, in my current role at Chubb, where Chubb Collector Car Insurance is a big part of what we do. And hanging around uh, different clubs, uh, national meets, and in particular, going to a couple of Gooding auctions uh, really, really got me hungry to have something with a little cachet to it. But, you know, you're, you're new to the hobby. You certainly, uh, most of us aren't going to be in a position to be able to just put a ton of money out there. And the MGA really checked all the boxes about being something that would be relatively affordable, probably wasn't going to lose any money on it, and had a really, really sexy look to it. And uh, that purchase of getting uh, an MGA, I've got, I've got an MGA 1600, it's a 1960 model in Old English White. And just doing that has done so much for me in terms of building my knowledge of cars, but also opening up doors within the MG community and also just giving me more credibility with clients and the influencers that we deal with in the hobby and I'm, I'm totally sucked in now. I've, I've <laughs> since added an MGC GT a couple of years ago. All right. And I have a long wish list. Uh, my daughters are all worried that their college savings accounts are in constant jeopardy. <laughs> well, tell your daughters there's hope because uh, I had to give up one of my prized cars to pay for my son's college not too long ago. So, uh, you know, those cars keep going up in value. Your daughters will be just fine when those college days comes along. <laughs> but that means I'd have to sell one of them. I know, I know. Well, <laughs> whatever you're saving, triple it because college is expensive. I've got two, so <laughs> it's painful, that's for sure. So, pa so, Paul, what I'd love to do now is take a look at the roads you've driven down and crawl into the hood and ask you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you've faced along the way in your career. And, and the most important part of this is all about how you overcame that situation, and even more important, what did you learn from that? I'll point to a business challenge which really related to Chubb's position in the hobby. We have been selling collector car insurance for 
aggressively in terms of promoting it as a product for several decades. We've actually found a, a policy written back in the 1920s on a, on a Ford Model T recently. Oh, wow. But of course, at that time, that was just regular use uh, policy. Yeah. At that but, so we've been doing this for a while and, and really go back a few decades when we started to really focus on cars as collectible. But we did it as an underwriting company behind another ex- an, an exclusive agent that really, uh, you, you know enough about the business, I think, where there are a lot of these specialty agencies oh, of course, that yeah. are distributing a policy, but there's another underwriting company behind the scenes. And, and right. that was that's what we did. And our name was not really out there. Um, if a person wanted to be insured by Chubb for a collector car, they would go through one of these, and it, it, this exclusive program. And we strategically decided that we really wanted our name to be prominent uh, that our brand was very strong with um, affluent individuals in a high net worth community. We were one of the largest insurers of luxury homes in the world, fine art collections, jewelry collections. And we knew we were a major player in collector car, but we knew that not many people knew that because our brand wasn't really out there. Right. So about six, seven years ago, we made that decision that we would offer our products through all of the independent agents that we work with across the country and that was going to require a lot more promotion and a lot more branding and uh, advertising. And that's what led us to some of the events that you mentioned at the beginning of our discussion. Right. So getting to the challenge part, obviously, that's a challenge in itself to get your, your name out in what is a crowded space where there are other players that are very good at what they do. It's a very competitive uh, part of the industry. Sure. And we kind of went in, I'll say at least I went in, I don't want to speak for the whole company, but I I was a little arrogant about it, thinking that we knew we had a really good name in other segments. And so I remember being at a Rolls-Royce Owners Club meet about six years ago down in Florida, thinking that once we put our booth up in their vendor area and people see Chubb is in this business... They're going to come flocking to us because every Rolls-Royce owner probably has a Chubb homeowner's policy, mm-hmm. and they'll love to just put everything with Chubb. Yeah. And it was really quiet in that vendor <laughs> hall. A lot of people were buying old British parts and buying uh, all kinds of T-shirts and stuff, but yeah. nobody was walking by the insurance table. Yeah, yeah, wow. <laughs> and uh, that's when we realized, you know what, we can't go it alone here. We really need to have some partners and, and some help. And uh, at that point, had already started working with Michael Furman to do the photography for uh, our advertising. Another guest here on Cars, yeah? Absolutely. Uh, and, and a guy that you know does just incredible work, and it really sets our advertising apart uh, in in your typical car magazine. Magazine publishers uh, like Keith Martin and Tim Suttard and the guys mm-hmm. at Hemmings, also very, very helpful to us. Um, and, and really nothing has helped us more than a partnership we've had with Gooding and Company, which immediately uh, allowed us to be up close and personal with the largest collectors in the world. Sure. And so we had that early challenge, but we realized the importance of finding some friends that would believe in what Chubb is doing and knew of the decades of experience that we had and understood the way that the business was working in the past. And ever since all that worked out, we just haven't stopped growing and creating tons of customer satisfaction. And uh, it's it's just been a great ride. But it was a little rocky there at first as we thought we could probably do it a little bit more on our own. Well, you dropped a lot of golden nuggets there for those listeners who are entrepreneurs, want to be in the automotive business. And it has to do with 
who we connect with, who we partner with, those people that we surround ourselves with, and those strategic partners that you aligned with, I thought were great. Because personally, when you guys first came on the market, yeah, I went, Chubb, they, they insure collector cars? I, I know they're big time with, you know, like you say, homes, high-end net worth people, airplanes, boats, all that kind of thing. But huh, I didn't know they did that. But now with what you've done, I think you've done an excellent job through your advertising and your marketing. Oh, okay, yeah, they do know this business. And I think that's the key for us collectors, people who have cars they want to insure, is knowing that that insurance provider understands who we are and what we do. Yeah, we we, we just we have a, the most incredible marketing department here that just really really knows how to how to put great materials together and organize sponsorships, and it it really helps make the job on the sales end of things so much easier when you've got that kind of a team yeah, out there. For you. Yeah, it's awesome. Hey, let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share one of those career aha moments. I like to say it's when the headlights come on and illuminate your way for a new idea or a new direction. And and tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. Sure. Well, I'll say I'll go back a little bit. When I first uh, joined Chubb, I was just like a lot of people right out of school looking for a good job. And Chubb came on my campus and offered opportunities with a training program and like a lot of people, you don't ever really want to be in an insurance job. It's not something most people aspire to do. And I figured I would just do this for a couple of years, make some good connections, and then go do something, quote, fun Mm -hmm. instead of this boring insurance type thing. (laughs) But I realized pretty quickly that insurance can be pretty fun when the things that you're insuring are unique, such as the biggest homes and biggest pieces of fine art in the world. But still, to me, it was always there was always this stigma uh, of, of insurance. And I had a lot of success for that first decade or so of, of working through the company. But then something that I know resonates with every American happened, um, and that would be 9-11. Mm, and yeah. I was working in New Jersey uh, in when that day occurred. And it, I'll tell you, I know we all can probably say this. It's been 14 years, but it still seems like yesterday. Yes. Um, that was just a tragedy which obviously had impact to, to lives that I know all of us uh, felt. But from an insurance standpoint, if you can kind of put the human piece to the side for a second, that's, that's a massive, massive event to occur. Yes. And uh, for Chubb, this was a, a pretty unique problem in that we had thousands of employees in the New York metropolitan area that we knew were personally affected in different ways of knowing people. We had um, our agents and brokers who work with us. There were over 500 lives lost for their employees in New York City. We knew that we had businesses that we insured that had lost close to 1,000 lives, and all of that again, in addition to the human suffering, has major insurance ramifications because you have workers' comp benefits that need to be uh, paid. The brokers that have lost people are really your lifeblood in terms of bringing in business and maintaining relationships with customers. And the property damage that hit what was an area that Chubb had a huge amount of business, perhaps one of the most focused areas in the world that, Mm -hmm. that, that we insure buildings was pretty massive. Yeah. And so that day occurred. And I think a lot of us at Chubb, when it, when we started to think all that through after the initial shock, a couple hours after the planes crashed, you started to wonder, well, what's this going to mean for us? Or do we still have a company? Is, 
is this, are we financially able to handle this? And at this point, you know, I'm 10 years at Chubb. I have a pretty good sense that this is a really good company, but I'm not high enough in senior management to know what the bookkeepers are saying and yes. how, how much money's in a bank account, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And very, very quickly, our CEO did something amazing where the news media was already starting to speculate about whether this would even be a covered event on, on a commercial insurance policy. Right. And because every policy, as you may know, has a war exclusion. Mm. And President Bush pretty quickly came out and, and called this an act of war, and obviously, he's speaking in a different sense than a contractual one. <laughs> right. But there was a lot of speculation in the media. Oh, well, will insurance companies use this as an excuse mm, to, yeah. to not cover this? Mm-hmm. And our chairman came out and made it very clear uh, midway through that day on 9-11, very early after it happened, and assured everybody that Chubb would be secure. We were absolutely going to stand by our customers that there would be no war exclusion that would apply Mm. in this case. And that was a bold move because there is no way he could have known at that point in time the extent of the financial damage that that statement might have made. And I think as we all processed a bazillion thoughts, I'm sure, over the days after 9-11, I began to realize that week that I was working somewhere that was pretty special and yes. <laughs> that uh, this, this, is a, this is a company that's always going to stand behind people and do the right thing. It really has continued to be that for me, and I've seen countless car collectors and homeowners and business owners benefit from that philosophy. Yeah. So aha moment for a guy who for 10 years wasn't really sure whether insurance was the place to be or not now i'm that convinced me that not only am i in a great field that can help people in times of need but i'm working for the best company in that discipline ah, well said and fantastic way to approach the thought of insurance is really is about helping people at a dire time of need so uh, we're all happy when we have insurance and we need it <laughs> most definitely how about proudest and you maybe just answered this next question about proudest career moments. Is there one that stands out for you? Um, Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty proud moment, but I can't really take credit for that. That's just the brilliance of our CEO at that point in time, and probably his executive team that I'm sure uh, conferred a lot in the hours leading up to that message. I guess I'm, I'm most proud of things, not so much that are about business results, but where either our company or the team that I work with can make an impact on the world. And uh, we work for a very philanthropic company that does a lot of things uh, for various charities across the country in, in, in all kinds of things. And, and supporting Forest Grove is an example of that with the work that the Forest Grove Rotary does for the community and the scholarships that come from that concourse. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'd, I'd say the proudest business moment would go back about, I guess now, six, seven years ago. But in my prior role, I managed Chubb's personal insurance business in Canada. And I was based in Toronto. Uh, And pretty early on in my time in Toronto, I noticed that the problem of homelessness was, uh, was, was very visible in the city of Toronto. And through some work with the Rotary Club of Toronto, uh, I became involved with volunteering at a local men's homeless shelter and met a guy who had this great idea for a social enterprise. He, he knew that there were over, um, I think there were five Salvation Army homeless shelters in Toronto, and they were spending something like four or $500,000 a year just on laundry, because you've got to wash the sheets every night, the towels. Yeah. In a shelter, you've you, you know, you got to keep things clean. Yes. Uh, 
and that was a massive bill that was uh, that was being chalked up to the Salvation Army, and they had to do fundraising in order to certainly pay that as well as everything else in their budget. Well, he had an idea that hey, if we could just build a laundry business, we would not only solve that problem of that expense, but we've got guys here that are sitting around the shelter looking for work, and that's fairly low skill labor. Put them to work, yeah, put them to work, yeah. And then they would be able to overcome whatever challenge got them into homelessness, have a bit of a resume, have a dependable stream of income, and then ideally get them placed into the local economy uh, Mm -hmm. with that experience. So he had that dream and being a part of the Rotary Club, which loves taking things like that and putting them into action. Uh, We worked with the city of Toronto and, and... uh, many others with a lot more influence in the city than I certainly had to f- do the fundraising. Uh, the Rotary Club made a nice donation. The city came up with a little bit of money, and then a private foundation in Toronto kicked in the rest. And we started a laundry business. We mm. bought a truck. We rented a building. We bought a bunch of machines. And um, really all this, I say we, it's really directed by the guy who had the original idea. We just kind of gave him the intellectual knowledge and the money to be able to to fulfill his dream. That was 2009 when that opened. Um, Since that time, over 100 men have been placed into other jobs in the Toronto community because of their experience. This business now does the laundry for not only every homeless shelter in Toronto, but several hospitals, restaurants, catering halls. It's, It's competing in that segment of the Toronto economy very, very effectively. And of course, people love supporting social enterprises. So when you can deliver a service at the same quality that the marketplace can at a competitive price, that really makes your business really expand. And uh, this this guy, Dion Oxford in Toronto, who started this, uh, has really done a fabulous job. And what a treat to be a part of that and to see a great idea make such an impact on the community. And, and it wouldn't have happened without the support of Chubb and the Rotary Club of Toronto. And so that's why I would, that's just pretty proud business moment to have been a small part of that process. Oh, spectacular. I love it. What a great, great story. Thank you for sharing that. Let's have a little bit of fun here. You talked about that baby blue Firebird. You talked about your MG, but what was your first really special vehicle? And perhaps you could share a memory that you have of that car. It would be the MGA that I acquired four years ago. It opened the door to uh, me having a lot more credibility in the hobby. Uh, getting to know the local MG car club folks have now become really good friends of mine. Attending a couple of national registry meets. I've used the car to drive with a coworker. As a matter of fact, one of the pictures uh, that I sent over to you is with uh, a coworker named Jeff Walker, where we drove to the Glenmore Gathering from New Jersey, yeah. about a thousand mile round trip effort. And we blogged about it and wrote about it. And I'm sure all of the the people that were following us were hoping this MG would see the Prince of Darkness or some (laughs) other uh, malady hitting it. But the car did great because we had it very well prepared. And that car has just, uh, it, it sounds hokey, but it's just opened up so many new doors to me that I didn't know. And when people talk about how great the car hobby is and how great the people are in it, it was that car that really showed me what that meant. I knew there were good people from a business standpoint, but it was it was when I became one of the car people, so to speak, yeah. that, uh, that I really appreciated what that meant. You know, I hear this over and over again. It really is about the people. When you When you break this all down, we all love the cars, but it's about the relationships we make, the people we meet, 
uh, the people I get to talk to every day here on Cars Yeah that I'm exposed to that we share that passion together and uh, yeah it's it's fantastic so I love it and I'm so happy that uh, Joseph Lucas didn't uh, rear his ugly head during that drive <laughs> we won't talk about him though because last time I discussed him on the show my computer crashed so I don't want him to be upset so Mr. Lucas, you're doing great. We love you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> He's been great to me, I'll tell you. Uh, it's, I think it's, I could go on a whole separate tangent of how Lucas Electric gets such a bad rap, but if you, you use the wiring harness for the way it was intended to and don't yeah. overload it with a bunch of stuff, yeah. it's a very, very effective system. Yeah, I think so. It seemed to work for a lot of vehicles, for sure. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle you've let go that you really wish you could have back in your garage? I haven't sold a collector car yet, given that I've only bought two in the last uh, few years. Uh-huh. Um, so I'd say my only remorse is around what I didn't buy. I mean, being a part of the auction scene for the last oh, five years. Gosh, yeah. You know, if you if you had the wisdom to buy a Dino five years ago, uh, or an early 911, or a 190 SL, yes, holy cow. I know. I know. It's just, it's crazy. It's, it's a... Uh... Yeah, that could be a whole discussion in and of itself. And I actually blogged about this this week on the Cars Yeah blog uh, about uh, collector values and how and why you should buy vehicles. So uh, listeners can check that out. How about current projects? Is there something you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? Absolutely. We uh, Forest Grove is certainly one of them that I know our, our Chubb team is excited about going to be a part of. Um, this is our fifth year of supporting the event, and we know it does so many great things for the community and uh, Brandon Stewart, our representative uh, and manager in Oregon, is uh, excited to to meet all the folks there. So that's that's one thing. And then I would also uh, point out that we've got a really, really big Concor event that's in its first year uh, that's going to be debuting here in New Jersey um, called the Edison Concor d'Elegance. This is going to be at a fabulous venue, Thomas Edison's estate. And here's a guy who innovated so much, obviously invented a lot. Uh, it's just a perfect area to have a show when you, you think about what goes into the engineering of cars. And uh, Joseph Cassini, who's a former Pebble Beach winner and a very prominent ca- car collector across the country, is the, uh, running the event and has an incredible group of uh, cars on display. And that'll be in the middle of October. Chubb is a leading sponsor of that event. And we think it's going to be the finest event in the New York metropolitan area that really – a territory which is really starving for a high-quality concourse. And uh, that's that's occupying a lot of our time right now as well. Sounds fantastic. We'll make sure we put links to a website for that event. I assume there's a website for that event? There is, edisonconcor.com. Uh, uh, there we is go. where you'll find it. Okay, we'll make sure we put that on your show notes page as well. Very cool. All right, here's a very introspective question for you, Paul. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? <laughs> wow. Well, I can tell you, it wouldn't be a baby blue 1985. <laughs> no, you've passed that time in your life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you can tell I'm 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 becoming an MG guy. Uh, I know it may not have the prestige of uh, saying Mercedes or Ferrari, but what if we make me um, an early pull handle MGB? I might be a little bit unique, but not perfect. Probably leak a little bit. <laughs> um, but I'll be a pretty dependable car, and with proper care, I should last forever. Ah, I love it. That's why I like that question so much. It brings out some interesting answers for sure. So, Paul, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. 
Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Okay, Paul, we're entering the last lap, and this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions, and you give our listeners some really quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Ready to go. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? You kind of talked about this earlier. Um, you've got you've to go out and drive your cars. David Schultz, uh, former president of the Classic Car Club America, taught me that early on and said, um, you've got to be able to enjoy your car. You can't be afraid to drive it. And that certainly guides Chubb's philosophy of wanting people to drive and enjoy their cars. We don't limit mileage. We want them to use their car for things like the California Melee or the Orange Blossom Tour, going to the Sun Rally. Get a lot of pleasure out of your cars. Yeah, absolutely. I've had both of the Swig brothers on this show, Howard and David, who run the California Melee. And sure. uh, yes, get out and join them. It's exactly what I talked about this week in my blog, as I mentioned, is uh, buy a car because you're passionate about it, not because you think it's going to be worth something in the future. That's for the car dealers to deal with. But uh, because if you buy something that you love, you will go out and enjoy it. I sure hope so. And if you insure it well, you don't have to worry about it. Absolutely. You'll you'll get taken care of. Yes, absolutely. You said it better than I could. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years? You've got to be dependable and organized. Uh, Whether you're just a hobbyist dealing with a large personal collection, um, or you're managing a business, or your family's activities, or for most of us, all of those things, mm-hmm. you've got to have a system in place that keeps the details together. Because if one piece of your life is starting to unravel, your performance will slip in other areas as well. And in particular, you don't want to lose that family side of things. So be organized, be dependable, follow through on commitments, do the basics, and uh, everything falls into place. Yep. Do you have a resource that you think the Cars Y'all listeners would really enjoy? For me, uh, given the business we're in, I think it's so important to stay on top of valuations of cars. And so we're big proponents of staying on top of what you own and what its current value would be or range of values. And the sources that I would recommend would be the auction sites. Um, All of the major auction sites put their information after sales with either a results page or they keep pictures and descriptions of the cars on their sites. And it doesn't matter what you own, how whether it's a multi-million dollar car or something small, there's an auction that ties into your uh, sphere of the hobby. So stay on top of your values and, and look at actual sales. Yeah, there are sources out there that will give you ranges and say your cars and uh, potentially like this, but nothing will help you figure out what your car is really worth than seeing what a true sale was. And following your car on eBay or looking it up on a Gooding auction results page, as an example, 
uh, are all things that will help you be more empowered as a consumer. Is there a book that you'd like to share with our listeners you think they would really enjoy reading? Oh, uh, yeah. Again, I'm going to go uh, go a little bit British on you. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard of a book by Don Stanford called The Red Car. Oh, that's but, a new one here. Okay, cool. Um, you should definitely read it because I know you have an MGTC in your past. Yeah, yeah. And this is uh, this is a great book that it's an easy read. Got some nice anecdotes of humor in it, but it, it, it involves a aspiring uh, teenager who wants to get into cars and his uh, experience in driving an MGTC in probably uh, I'm going to guess it's set in the 1940s, early 1950s, uh, probably the late 40s or 50s actually, because of uh, the use of the TC. Yeah. And just a really easy read, good story, and a lot of people who are into MGs will cite this book as being the reason they first wanted an MG, because they read this as a kid. Ah, perfect. Well, we have a section on the Cars yeah! website called Guest Recommended Books. Just click on the Resources tab at the front of the homepage, and you'll find the book that Paul's recommending and all the great books that our past guests have recommended here on Cars yeah! Thank you. That's a new one to the reading list that we'll add to the library. And I'll remind our listeners again, you can find all these great resources at carsyad.com slash Paul Morissette. Just put Paul in the search box. His show notes page will pop right up. All right, we're up to the checkered flag here, Paul. And this last question can be a real doozy. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the cost. And today I'm even going to pick up the insurance. How's that? (laughs) What would that vehicle be and why? Well, fortunately, collector car insurance isn't very expensive, so buying the car will be the biggest part of your price tag. Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, when you're there's there's probably that time in your life where you, you see that special someone and you can't get their face off of your mind for a while. And I, I had that experience earlier this year at Amelia Island during a Gooding auction when a 67 Ferrari 275 GTB4 was in their preview area. It was uh, obviously, you know, this is a, the kind of car that is, is very unique. This was just a beautiful, preserved example um, that was in a light blue color. I think uh, the Italian color is blue chiaro, mm-hmm. I believe is what they call it. Yes. And it's just what a, just a gorgeous, classy looking car that I just, I really haven't stopped thinking about it, partially because... <laughs> It's on my wall now yep. uh, in my office, and uh, I just I just love the way this car looks. It sold for $3.3 million, so it's not going to be in my budget anytime soon, but since you're offering Yeah, since uh, I'm buying, it doesn't matter. Out. Yeah, I'd be happy to buy it. And, you know, and that car was, was pretty cool because of the color, very unique color for, the, for that uh, GTB4. And you don't see them in that color too often. They're mostly yellow or black or red. So uh, yeah, I'm familiar with that car. Very beautiful. Great choice. Wonderful choice. Something to strive for, for sure. And oh gosh, I better get out that big golfer's check. You know, the one that's really big with the room for a lot of zeros if I'm going <laughs> to buy you that car and ship it over to you. But uh, great choice, my friend. I love it. You've taken me on a great ride today and I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey and the Chubb company with us today. It's been fantastic. Would you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that 67 Ferrari 275 GTB4? Sure. Thanks a lot, Mark. It's been great being with you. And I would just say, don't assume that the same company that insures your everyday cars is the one that should be insuring your collector cars. Take a few minutes, 
talk to a trusted insurance professional or give Chubb a call, visit us at ChubbCollectorCar.com and uh, see, see how we might be able to protect you so you can drive off into the sunset worry-free. Absolutely, because I'll tell you, you hit on a, a key note there is a lot of people who aren't familiar with the collector car market, maybe they're new to it and they don't realize that, you know what, if something happens to that collector car and your daily driver insurance company uh, you call them up and say, gosh, you know, this car got destroyed. It's doubled in value over the last couple of years. They're going to go, huh? And they will, too. So I think that's a great point. I've been buying collector car insurance for many, many years, and it's it's really important to work with a company like Chubb that does understand the market and what it is that uh, you're so fond of, which is the cars that we love so much. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and Chubb? Best way is to uh, visit our website at www.chubcollectorcar.com and call call us at the number that's on that site or email us if there's anything I can do for anyone. Certainly just ask for me and uh, we'll, uh, we'll get the call to the right place. Awesome. Well, again, listeners, you can find links to everything Paul's shared with us today at carsyad.com. Again, just put Paul in the search box. His show notes page will pop up and, and all the contacts as he's listed in the great resources. Paul, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. Welcome to the car hobby, the fanatics that we are. It's going to be great fun, a great ride. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks a lot, Mark. You're, uh, you're doing great service for the hobby, too. I appreciate the chance to be here with you. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.